Finally, we found time <laughs> to sit down together and have a chat about things going on. It's, now, it's going to be difficult to debrief everything that's gone on. We're here on the first quarterfinals day at Wimbledon. But, I mean, it's, oh, to be honest, it's going to take a while just to get through today. Well, and today I can remember. Do you get that thing when you're at a Grand Slam when someone said, oh, what happened yesterday? And you're like, I'm not sure. And I have to like look back at an order of play because there is so much going on and everything rolls into the next thing. I can tell you about today. I'm fully in today. You asked me about a few days ago and I'll be like, yeah, I'm not. Because there's an element of the Groundhog Day about it. You yeah. know, you have the same routine. I'm actually... I'm not staying down here at Wimbledon. I'm I'm at home. So I have this weird... I'm like a split life. You know, I go home and I'm rounding up school uniform, doing the washing, getting packed lunch stuff sorted out, all those bits in the morning, getting them dressed, chasing them around, covering them in sun cream, and then I come to work. So it's... I'm feeling living in sort of these two different sort of worlds around Wimbledon. Yeah, but it's quite (laughs) (laughs) all-consuming. Don't move! (laughs) So we, we, we feel that we're sitting on a bench um, and if anyone's been at Wimbledon these last 10 days, we're sitting on one of the green benches. But we think they're these new, I think they're fold away. I don't think it's broken. And I It's think not if, supposed to move like no, that. No, it, it is because, because the one we use for the five live show every day, when someone, we had Caroline Wozniacki with us. Oh no. And she was perched on the end and she's pregnant with her second child and someone got up the other side and she nearly flew off yeah <laughs> so you have to but it's I, like a seesaw it's like a seesaw but it's but i think it, that's it it's a seesaw it's not broken as in you're not suddenly going to fall on the floor and roll down the hill i think it's just a bit well shall i not move that's the, the new innovation that we can bring everybody at wimbledon they've done away with benches and they've put seesaws in you instead. did look quite relaxed you kind of had your legs up and you were looking out towards where they're doing the bbc highlights I reclining i i moved just slightly. I didn't even move a lot. <laughs> Why nearly fell off? Nearly fell off the bench. Oh my gosh. Right, so where which right. Okay, look, let's get this out of the What's way. Happening? We're just gonna deal with this right now. Just deal with it. Predictions. Oh yeah, predictions. It went well, didn't they? I'm not sure we can even remember the predictions, can we? Mine went um, out so long ago. So didn't did we both no, I picked Fiontech and you picked Goff. Gone. 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 Uh, and then what was the other one a dark horse or did we do finalists? Dark horse, I you did final. You did, went off on your own. You did finalists. Um, dark horse, I had the inform grass court would lose in the first round. Beatrice had admire. Yeah, a lot of expectation on her. I think a lot of people predicted she'd be a dark horse, winning uh, two titles. Yep. in on the grass. Two the and then up. semis at Eastbourne. And then semis at Eastbourne. She's looking in fine form, but I think just a bit pooped really. Uh, I didn't three. get sucked you into had that. Two or three. I went rogue. Did your player even play? Didn't it's embarrassingly rogue because I didn't even know if she played. Didn't see your player. Uh, she definitely lost in the first round if she did, but it completely bypassed me. And that was Shelby Rogers <laughs> of, of the States. Um, yeah, it didn't go well. Uh, I didn't really see a glimpse of Shelby. So, and I, still to this day, I don't know. She honestly, she may have pulled out and not played. I, I I'm know. sure I saw her name on a scoreboard at some point. Okay, that's, was she playing all- doubles? <laughs> Was it a practice sheet? Because I don't think she played a match. That's all I can give you. And our dark horse in the men's, Maxime Cressy, knocks out Felix Ogielia-Seen. Yes, thank you. And I'm thinking, okay, well... Was that your dark horse as well? Yeah, that was my dark horse as well. Both went Cressy. Fair enough. Good dark horse. A very good dark horse until he met Jack Sock. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. Uh, He got in his own head a little bit there. He just didn't play particularly well. But um, yeah, it was up for grabs for Maxime. But still, he took a big victory. So that wasn't a terrible Dark Horse shout. And this leads us on beautifully to our pick 
for the title that also brings us to the present day in Novak Djokovic, who we both picked him, right? We did, yeah. And we nearly lost him today. Did you? No, did you think at any point you were working Actually, your competition? I didn't pick him. I, I picked Berrettini. Oh, you had a shocker. I picked Berrettini. Too. You had a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that wasn't fair. And it was Berrettini no. to beat Djokovic. And then when he got withdrawn because of COVID, I texted you and I said, can I switch? No. And you said yes, so I picked Rafa. The, I'm on Rafa, everyone. Did I? The rules should be that you have to have the person that replaces them in the draw. That was uh, Elias Ema, wasn't it? And Congratulations. No. <laughs> no. Okay, so, all right. So, Rafa, we will get to. Let's start, start with my pick for the title, Novak Djokovic. You were commentating on this match. At any point, even when two sets down, like he was in the Roland Garros final, Stefanos Tsitsipas, we, did you think he was going out? Yeah. I thought there was a chance. Okay. Isn't it amazing how it two sets up for Yannick Sinner today? You sort of sit there and think, it's a, it's a 50-50 shot It's like now. pass in the final of the yeah. French. It's exactly what we were all saying. It's still 50-50. People are like, are you kidding? Yes. I think pass. I, I was a bit more convinced he was going to win that one. Right. And I, I think it was just because of the way he was playing. It was just so, so good. I mean, look, Sinner was obviously playing really well, but Djokovic was a bit all over the place, let's be honest. Um, and, yeah, it was like, oh, there's a good chance here that he could go out. And then, literally, as soon as he broke, early in the third, we all went, oh, no, he's going to win now. And then he just won three sets in a row pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's that. But, yeah, I mean, he's a bit out of sorts. He's not playing his best level. No, I don't think he's close to his best level. I don't think Nadal is close to his best level either. Uh, but is it enough? I don't think Nadal was close to his best level at Roland Garros and it was enough. I wonder with Djokovic, though, if the pressure of what he's trying to achieve will get to him because he's two behind Nadal. The pressure is all on Djokovic now. Nadal's got those two. This is kind of this is almost a bonus for Nadal with all of the foot problems he's had and the injuries. I feel like this is a bit of a bonus. Don't you think, though, the pressure of the calendar slam for Nadal? Because obviously Djokovic went for it last year and failed. He needed to win 28 matches at slams. He won 27 oh. and fell at the oh. final, final hurdle. In and then there was that Olympics debacle. To make it the Just, golden oh. slam. Yeah, that was a bit of a blow to him, wasn't it? But he was at the 28th match. And I think, I think it, Nadal is 18, 18 down, I think it's the. I think the calendar slam has brought Nadal to Wimbledon. And I think if he didn't have one of the other two, he wouldn't have done what he's done to get to Wimbledon but I've kind of over the years I bought into the Nadal thing of no he's not bothered not interested doesn't care about records he probably does but I've just bought into the Nadal way of thinking of I'm not the favourite I'm not in good form I'm not going to win and I don't care so I don't think the pressure will be as much on Nadal maybe I've just bought into it than it will be on Djokovic because if he lets another one slip through and you've got to look at who's left and we'll go through it and Nadal gets this one. Then he's three clear. And Djokovic at the moment can't go to America because of the vaccine situation. Yeah. And then you get round to Australia, and who knows what's going to happen in Australia? He's another year older. We've had more months have passed. Oh, yeah, he, he might, might not, not be allowed, allowed back yeah, into yeah, Australia. Yeah. Oh, and then we get to Roland Garros, and, and Nadal wins 15. So I what think... No, he's not going to do that. So I just think that, that pressure on Djokovic now, because he's made it... It's a bit like when Serena Williams said... This is what I want. I want that number. She hasn't got that number, right? She, I want 24. I want to break it. And once she made it public, it almost kind of puts more... I don't know. I just feel the pressure on Djokovic. I think it's, I think it's weighing on him. I'm sure it is. Uh, he didn't look particularly at peace with himself. His box were looking quite grumpy. 
for a lot of the match, I must say. <laughs> Goran Ivanisevic was desperately trying not to shake his head. And this is the real benefit of being on site, for me, is box watch. Yeah. Because oh, when you're watching on TV, watch. sure, you get some glimpses of, of the team and you can pick up some things. But when you're there, as soon as any point finishes or every time he went for the drop shot and he missed it, I was just straight to Goran. And he was just so... He would just shake his head sort of once to the side and then he was like, I can't do that because he knows he's on camera. He knows Djokovic is looking. and, and But he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy Why at all. Why was but, he continually going to the drop shot? Was it just to prove that he could play a good drop shot? I have mean, no idea. It was madness. I mean, every drop shot he hit was terrible and he lost the point off of it. It was absolute madness. Uh, but it was just a demonstration, I think, of his lack of feel in, in the game. Yeah. But look, he still won. And this is the thing, right? You've got Yannick Sinner. 20 years old he's been a top tenner he is one of the new big things and people talking yep. about this Sinner Alcaraz rivalry after their quarter uh, last 16 match and um, and there he goes it's it's on a plate for him and they cannot do it and this is not peak Djokovic this is not peak Nadal mm. and they cannot get it done it is unbelievable and that is partly of course because of the legends that they are of course it is but it is also partly a bit of a question mark over these guys like you know you should have the fitness when it goes deep in the fifth you should be able to do it and I, I know that it is so incredibly difficult of course it is but you know, we're looking at you know, Djokovic has done it, and Nadal, and 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 Federer, and uh, as I say, it's it's a bit of a funny one that they just can't get it done. And amazing that you just think two sets up, still fifty-fifty, and as soon as he got broken, we were just okay. Match is done. I mean, you might as well not play the rest of it. We know Djokovic is going to win. Big blow to lose Berrettini to COVID. We hope he has a, a speedy recovery and doesn't have any long-term after effects from it but that was that was a blow at the start of the tournament and then we lost those handful of players who've been to a final won a grand slam done it on the grass in terms of Chilich getting to the final and her catch semis and defeating Roger Federer last year so we started to look and things started to fall into place and you thought well hang on a second is this is this going to turn out to be what 99.9 percent of the people want to see unless you're a relative or a family member of those left in including Cameron Norrie British number one and we talk a lot about how he he doesn't make the headlines he's quite a quiet guy but he doesn't really make the headlines and maybe another case in point he was on court one today and and Djokovic is on centre and they'd turn around and say well that was justified because that was a five set thriller but before that happened Cameron Norrie British number one was was on court one and then as he's coming through his match against David Goffin a lot goes on in the world of politics in the, in the UK and suddenly we on Five Live went to another station the front pages are going to be full of that but Cameron Norrie just continues to do what he's been doing and I think it's absolutely remarkable what he is doing so great just got to love Cam it's so emotional so exciting to see him doing that with those names that you mentioned that we lost yep. due to Covid yep. uh, Chilich and Berrettini due to Covid yep. uh, her catch as well um, not to Covid the thing is, is that they are players that if they play their best tennis, they can beat Djokovic and Nadal. And the trouble is, is that almost all players in the draw, if they play their best tennis, they still can't beat Djokovic and Nadal. Uh, they can only beat them if they play sort of pretty rubbish at like a five out of ten yeah. or or less. And so you need that bunch of players that, yeah, do you know what? If Hercatch really lights it up and Djokovic is off, he can win. Um, but for a lot of players, they can't. I mean, look at Sinner, two sets up, and, you know, he was lighting it up, and Djokovic was way off, and he still couldn't get the but job think done. think about it, he's only 20. Yannick Sinner, I, I, keep, I have to remind myself, he's still a child. I mean, yeah. you know? Yeah, I know. To bring that out there, as, I'm not making excuses, but just imagine 
I mean, you were playing tennis at 20. I think what I, I wasn't mature enough at the age of 20 to do something that he was attempting to do against someone like that on a court like that. Yeah, but he's more mature than you. That's just how it is. <laughs> hopefully not now. I mean, hopefully I've matured a little bit since then. But the, the equivalent age, absolutely. I was at university being probably a horrible university student. So 100%. But, but he's still 20. Yeah, and I am lumping him in with, you know, the rest of that sort of generation as yeah. well. But still, you know, let's let's bring the focus back to Cam Norrie because what an extraordinary match yeah, to see, be. We've already moved away from him again, just so I said he doesn't get the attention and then we veer off somewhere I know. else. Sorry, no, we're back. Yes. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> they might squeeze a picture of him on the front page uh, a little tomorrow, one. but a it, little one. it's been uh, it's been fairly explosive, hasn't it, when it comes to to news. Uh but Cam Comes through in five, down the whole match. Goffan playing really well. You know, Goffan with a lot of experience. And although, Norrie wasn't playing well. No, and he, he wasn't. But it's, it's, it's just a phenomenal story. And I've said this on the pub before. The fact that he won Indian Wells is bonkers. The fact that he's in the semi-finals of a Grand Slam is just ridiculous. I mean, the semi-final lineup could be, it might not be, it could be Djokovic against Norrie, which it is, and then Kyrgios against Nadal. Imagine that as the four. There's Norrie. With that bunch, unreal. So why is that unreal for you, Norrie? Is it you didn't see it, you didn't think you'd be able... Why why is that so unreal to have Norrie there? Because no one thought that was going to happen. No one did. Like, honestly, it's just amazing. You know, you think he's in his later 20s now, been through the college system. Yes, we've had a lot of college players do very, very well. But those college players that have done very well, and when we're saying very well, obviously lots of of college players get to the top 100 and do incredibly well and have fabulous careers. When you look at the top tenors, they tend to be the big, big guys, the big service, Anderson, Isner. You know, not like Cam, who just sort of... Yes, he won NCAAs, but, you know, he's a real scrapper and is so consistent he's such a worker he's physically going to wear you down you know in general that game style doesn't get you to the top 10 um it has done for him it, it, as i say you know you need those big weapons and you sort of think like where are the weapons of of cam and even now you look at it and there isn't an easy win for him there isn't an easy point for him it is hard work and uh, but he just doesn't care he's just up for it it's sort of like nadal yeah. right like everything he does is hard work and intense but because yeah. he is insane and he's clearly not a human being then it is um it's fine for him to do it, but nobody else can maintain the level of intensity. If they could, they would be doing it. It's just not possible. Cameron has got big lungs. Big lungs. I mean, as in, he really has got big lungs because he went to see a doctor and they asked him if he was a deep sea diver. Because, do you know the other meaning for big lungs? No. Because I was in a commentary box with the Australian Mark Woodford. So in commentary, I thought there was a change of ends, and I said, oh, there's a story about Cameron Norrie. He went just to the doctors for a checkup, and he said, are you a deep-sea diver? He said, no, because you've got really big lungs. And Mark Woodford starts laughing. And I thought, I didn't think that was funny. I thought I passed on some information there. And he kept chuckling, and he said, do you know what? Okay, so he said, in Australia, we might say she has a big pair of lungs. Oh, okay, right. And... I'd, I'd never heard this. I didn't know this was a version of that. So he's just chuckling away. As, as I think, again, I said it's those big lungs. <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing. But apparently it, you, you can reference someone as saying they have a big pair of lungs. Oh, well, well, I mean, hopefully people don't assume that's what, what we mean when we say that Cam has big lungs. <laughs> I, I don't, Sorry, have we got any Aussie listeners? Sorry I don't, I don't think they will. <laughs> We've I mean, spent, spent weeks talking about Cam's big lungs. <laughs> People are like, well, I've got to get a look well, at this guy. Well, surely they'd be hindering him rather than helping him yeah. on a tennis court. Well, 
these particular big lungs are actually helping him. So, no, that was an aside. I just remember Mark Wolfe just kept laughing. I thought, I thought I've made a really interesting point here. Apparently not. And then afterwards he said, do you not know what that means? And, you know, what? apparently I didn't. And it does. But it's, look, it, it's incredible what Cameron, he's got, we had a chat with his coach, Faku Lagones, and they're so laid back, they're so relaxed, and they are such a team. They are such a, a unit that sticks together. They work together. He has maximised, he's made every part of his game better he was 74 in the world at the start of january 2021 now he's a masters winner he's been at the tour finals he's been in the top 10 and he's a, as we speak now he's a grand slam semi-finalist it's extraordinary and it's so nice to see that long-term relationship we see that a lot across um you know certain certain nature certain cultures nations not natures nations and certain cultures uh tend to have don't move on the bench long i'm not moving on the bench you do not move on the bench (laughs) um but certain cultures do tend within tennis do tend to sort of promote that long-term journey you see davidovich vakina with his coach from nine years old he's crying and stuff like that but you know in britain it's just not something that we do it's not something that's promoted it's much more about changing coaches and coaches are for a time and uh, so it is nice to see a real long-term relationship you just don't really get that anywhere else and of course they had that bond from from college and uh, and uh, have, have have stuck with it and I'm sure there would have been times when people would have been saying to Cam look do you not think you need a bit more of an experienced coach here come on you're broken the top hundred you're you're there or thereabouts now you need someone who knows the tour to take you further because that's how it works in British tennis that's what happens if you take a player to a level that you've not been at before as a coach people come in and start saying there are coaches who have done this before they've yeah, done this level yeah. they have that experience and what you really want to do the ideal situation is to have the coach the main coach in this case Faku Lagones, go and learn from those coaches learn by being out on the tour maybe bring them in to just help and consult and so that you can stay on that journey with them because we can see how much of a benefit that that really is and and uh, you know so many top players are so solid and settled with their coaches Serena Williams, where do you stand now on Serena Williams from what you've seen? Does it continue? Does it need to stop? Will there be any more? I think there'll be more. I think she'll play the US Open. Do you think there should be more? Well, I think she should train more before she turns up. I'm sorry to be blunt about it and I have no idea how much she trained but it wasn't enough because physically she didn't survive in that match physically she was absolutely toast if she had come through that match she would have lost in the next round because I think her body would have just said no Um, so yeah I mean that's it I would she clearly can play great tennis I mean her serve is great you know of of course it's you know the, the level to go into the second week is there but the physically she needs her body to hold up and not get injured but also physically she just needs to be in in better shape and there have been many many years almost all of the Serena years where she didn't need to do that sort of training I'm sure she was doing it but she didn't need to do it and she could just turn up after barely playing barely training and win a grand slam she just can't do that right now um yeah and that's it it was a a really nice moment to see her on court it was huge for Harmony Tan to to beat her in that way um, but yeah, just physically she didn't have enough. So if she's going to come back at US Open, I'd love to see her there. I would hope that she comes in a, just in a little bit better shape. And maybe she's been limited with how much she can train because of the injury. She did have, yeah, yeah. you know, big problems there that have, uh, you know, it's been really difficult for her. So maybe she's a bit light and she would like to do a bit more. But you can't just play a couple of doubles matches and uh, and turn up. And hopefully no one listens to this episode and then listens to the last episode when I was saying if anyone can do it Serena can do it 
<laughs> because but look, a lot of a lot of people were saying that. I, I you know, my thoughts for the last few years. I, I didn't, I, I didn't think. I don't think she won't do what she would dearly love to do. She's achieved so much, and I don't think she needs to. But it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. She. She has, she has to play and she has to play a lot. And I'm not sure whether she wants to commit that time because she's got so much else going on. She's got yeah. to, you have to make a commitment. I mean, ultimately, in that match against Harmony Town, she could overwhelm her with pace, yes. but she ran out of energy to yeah, keep yeah. playing big. She couldn't play with the power, so she had to then go into rallies, which means that you run more. But actually, running more takes, it takes a different type of energy. If yeah. you're just sort of scrapping around, you can actually do it all day. It's why when players get tired, they drop back and they just start pushing the ball in because you, it, it, it's less draining than being powerful and explosive and really sapping your energy that way um you know but that was not going to beat tan the only way to beat tan is to overwhelm her with pace as we saw amanda and Isimova do that's the only Boy. way to get through that sort of game so you can't out rally her you can't out fox her on the court you have to out hit her serena's more than capable of doing that um she just couldn't do it for long enough one thing that's starting to niggle me and I thought it might, and I sort of understand the arguments on both sides. And I had a conversation with a colleague, and it's it's not having any points. Yeah. And, look, I know the ATP and the WTA, it was their uh, reaction to, to the LTN Wimbledon saying no Russian or, or Belarusian players coming. So they said, right, we're not going to have any points. So Djokovic has dropped down to seven. You know, he'll be fine. But it, it's these players, like a Tan, like a Tatiana Maria, who's through to the semifinals. And I know this is due to be her last year on tour. So people, my colleague actually said, well, it doesn't matter. She's about to retire. And I said, but 720 points, which is what Maria would have got to get to the semifinal, is life-changing. You could say, well, maybe at her age it's not. But it is. Suddenly she might say, well, gosh, that takes me up to, I don't know, 2030 at least maybe I'll do another year because I can get into all the top tournaments. I can maybe financially secure my family for life because I'm getting all these entrants. I can, you know, Harmony Tan, she's still going to qualify for the US Open. She's still going to be around 115. And I just, I just feel that so many people are being punished. That it, could there have been another way? Could they've frozen points from the Russian and Belarusians last year? Also, I don't know. I just you're now seeing these stories and these people. Ila Tomlianovich, for heaven's sake, she's dropped down to eighty odd in the world because yes, she's gone further than or she's backed up her her last year's result, but she doesn't get any. Po- I don't know. It's just I've the more I've seen these players go deep, I'm just thinking ah, oh, the difference those points could make. Yeah, it's it's really not nice, is it, to think that. You know, these players are still going to be stuck where they are. You know, Eula Niemeyer is still going to be ranked 97 in the world and she's just reached she the quarters of the 320 points. Yeah, you know, and and she... I mean, it, it obviously would be huge for her. She's somebody who's sort of on the way up anyway. Yeah. She's on her way to She'll the top 50, there. to the yeah. top 30. But as you say, for somebody like a Maria, that is much more important because this this really may never happen again. I mean, a lot of players don't... You don't know when this is going to be it. Um and yeah it, it does it does sting and I think also gladly we're seeing that the tournament is just operating as normal yes. like everybody is just desperate to win because we did have all those question marks like, are people going to fight I mean come on it's Wimbledon everybody is just desperate to win it, it from point one it has been exactly as it would have been if there were points on the board apart from maybe missing one or two people yeah um that's that's it. You know, something like Naomi Osaka decided not to play, uh, and I think we lost Eugenie Bouchard, didn't we? Because she didn't want to use her. I understand ranking. her reasons. I, I think she didn't want to use her protective yeah. ranking for a, a tournament with no points. She needs points. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I get that. Still, as a consequence, we we lost her. Um, you know, and she is a former finalist here, but 
yeah, it's just felt the same. So, like, it, it hasn't affected the tournament at all. All it affects are the players that are being successful this year and the players who were successful last year yeah. because they don't get that chance to defend their points, even though Isla Tomljanovic has done that. She has defended yeah, and got back yeah. to the quarterfinals. Djokovic is going to lose his world number one regardless of whether he wins this tournament or not. Yeah. Down to number seven in the world. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't so you're see punishing, any winners. You're punishing everybody that does well this year, everybody that did well last year, and the Russians and Belarusians, of course, you know, it's, it's tough for them to not be able to play. They're all posting their pictures. I mean, Sastovich is having a lovely time on holiday, isn't she? I think I saw Medvedev, uh, you know, out in the sea. And he's been playing golf as well, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been playing golf. A bit of a funky swing, that one. But he's, he's not Mr. Mr. Technique, is he? <laughs> he's not smooth. Um, so, you know, they're going to be coming back refreshed and it just feels like this outcome and I as you say like there must have been a better way this this outcome just doesn't feel right and then on top of that you know they've taken the points away from Wimbledon and then on top of that they find the LTA for the for their tournaments as well um a huge sum of money might I just say and you know the LTA run these tournaments to promote the grass court season to promote women's tennis to some of the women's events of course and and uh you know they they all operate at a loss anyway because that's just the nature yeah. of it it costs so much money to pay this prize money and to pay to to put on the tournaments um uh yeah just just a really difficult situation to be in and i'm I, i'm not i'm not sitting here saying that i completely disagree with what the atp and wta have done um, I just think there but, was a better way. You know, there, there, there would have, have there was always going to be some sort of reaction. But like, yeah, to be in this situation where everybody's just losing, everyone, everyone who's doing well is losing, everyone who did well is losing, and everyone, uh, you know, and the people, you know, the LTA who are putting the tournaments on in this country, they're mm. now losing. The grass court season is being severely impacted. It's, it's just, it's not a comfortable situation for the sport to be in. I'm not going to name names, but I was speaking to a, a few former players from the WTA Tour, and they're not happy with the state of the women's game in terms of the players we've got and, and rivalries. The men's game, it feels, you know, we've got Alcaraz coming through, and Sinner we've talked about, and these other young guns that are mixing in with the oldies, and there seems to be a nice blend. But as the women's draw is blown wide open, I know we're missing a handful of players, and Sviantec never really had that belief did she or the confidence on the grass despite winning the junior title but I've spoken to a number of and I'm talking players on WTA from back in the day to to current times and and they're worried that there's there's no great rivalries there's there's not enough strength and depth or or quality where do you stand with who we have and what we've got at the moment look you've got to work with what you've got and you know that's it and look you're comparing it to people who transcend the sport. It's one thing talking about rivalries and the quality of play, and I just don't think there's anything in that. I think what we've got at the moment is you know, there there are some fantastic players, but you know it all started with Ostapenko winning the French Open in her and her run being ranked that lowly and being able to win a slam. Everyone thought, oh, you know, any player on the tour could win a slam now. And then Emma Raducanu is not even a player on the tour, and she won a slam. So now everybody thinks they can. Um, and uh, you know that's that is a good thing in terms of getting new names. But has but it diluted it a little bit? It, it, it dilutes it, but then it also just brings the experience to more people. There are more people who have been in the semis and the final and won. And look, I, I get it, but you know, if you've got one person just winning everything, you know, it's great, but it's also boring in a way because if they're just picking up title after title after title, the ideal is obviously to sort of have what the men have had with Rafa 
Novak and Roger, and so that everybody can pick their team. They they can re- you know fans can rely on them going yeah, deep in yeah. tournaments. We can rely on them on them going through those comfortable rounds, and they only really lose to each other and other yeah. a few other surprise results. But you know you can sort of build up the momentum of being a fan. So I do understand that it's more difficult, but like. I think that's sort of the anomaly. I don't think that's the normal way of, of things happening. And but Do you think the future's bright in terms of the players that we have? At the mo- I mean, I really want a, a really fit and strong and healthy Bianca Andreescu. I'd love Osaka to play more, but I don't think she's going to. Look, she's just set up, the, you know, she's setting up more agencies and things and bits and pieces out. She doesn't, she doesn't need tennis anymore. I'm not saying she's not going to stay in it, but she's, she's never going to play at a full schedule. I don't think she's such a big character. So do we have enough of those characters enough of those potential rivalries well probably not at the moment it is a little difficult to see where that's going to come from that level of consistency we've obviously seen great consistency from Sviontek um but I don't know look we've got four female players that completely transcend the sport in Osaka Serena Goff and Raducanu and they're earning you know they're multi-millions and, and obviously a huge amount of money there's a huge interest in them and they're and they're, I think they always will be when they're playing which is great yeah. but in terms of rivalries it's difficult you know it's difficult I don't know whether the sport needs that um or not I think it would be great to have it but I don't I don't know I don't sit around thinking oh I, I wish for a rivalry look I'm not gonna lie you do look at some of the quarterfinal matches and you go, okay, these are for real diehard tennis lovers here because they're they're not going to strike a chord with the casual fans and it's not easy. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. Do you know what? I haven't really taken a step back and thought about it because there's always something in every match that I'm excited about. So I think it's different. I think it's different for us because we will find that enjoyment and we love it and there are these stories and maybe players we've been following for years and everything. But I think it's... Maybe I shouldn't worry so much about that the other side of things are the people who are coming into tennis and like so maybe but I think sometimes we can be so tunnel visioned because we watch so much of it and then there's players I talk about and I have friends going who's that what are you talking about I don't understand but maybe I shouldn't worry so much about selling it to the public but then maybe we should because we need those people to come into tennis and and when you lose your Serena's and you lose your Osaka's and we don't know what the future holds for your Raducanu's are there those players there that will come through that will will take it on yeah and that's the problem isn't it because Serena not only has she transcended the sport she has been reliable and consistent whenever she wanted to turn up she won and she won big time and that is uh, you know, such a huge part of it. And same with, with Venus as well. I could say Venus is technically still playing, but she's not really. Um, she played in the mix. She was here. here. She was here. For a couple she, of rounds. She was yeah. here. Um, you know, whereas, you know, the uh, Raducanu, I mean, completely unreliable, obviously. She's had some one huge, huge win. And we all hope that she can settle down and get used to life on tour and start picking up those victories again. But in terms of winning multiple, multiple slams, I mean, at the moment, that looks a million miles away. Still possible. Yeah. Still yeah, possible. Yeah, Plenty of yeah. time. Don't get me wrong. But it does seem seem quite far, and and that is the the difficulty. You got Ash Barty who said three slams and I'm done. Thanks very much, and uh, has absolutely no interest in uh, doing this. But I think she's going to take over another sport, go for a third professional sport, uh, picking up the golf. But that's the that's the difficulty. You need the superstar nature, and you need the reliability as well as, of course, the the victories. Mm. So, and, and unfortunately, no one really has that. I mean, Goff looks like she could have that, but 
how reliable she could be I, at that very, very... I, I, I think she's going to be she reliable. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a top yeah. tenner. And, you know, she might nick a slam here or there, but she's not looking like, a, you know, Sviontek's been looking as like, you know, she's just been the best player by far. Yeah. It, yeah, it would be nice to have Sviontek and another as the, the top two players, but... You know, every match you don't know what's going to happen. Star quality, we've got Nick Kyrgios. And look, he's polarising. There's some stuff going on off the court, which we're not going to get into at all. But in terms of on the court, I find it fascinating that everything that happened with Sitspass was was ridiculous. You know, I asked Pat Cash and he thinks that Kyrgios should have been defaulted because he felt that Kyrgios was cheating in that match. That was strong, wasn't it? I mean, Cashy went to town on him. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we keep putting him on, on Kyrgios's matches because he's obviously an Aussie. So we're like, off you go, Pat. And he's just going, oh, my God. I mean, what a match that was. I, do you know, the thing is, is that I sort of, I know it's awful, but because you sort of expect it from Kyrgios, it's one thing. It's an argument. And, yes, I had an argument with my husband about um, oh, about you? the Kyrgios antics and, 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 and six-pass antics Who's as well. pro and who's against it? Well... He was saying that if Kyrgios had done what Sitsipas had done, he would have been defaulted. That I disagreed with that. I didn't think he would have been defaulted. I can see why he'd say that, though. But I was saying possibly he should have been defaulted, but the rules were followed yeah. as, as they, they were. It's not like the umpire was made. There was no discretion, really. It was just a, a case of, you know, that was that. So yeah. I don't think any rules weren't followed. But, uh, yeah, I, do you know, it's just so funny because my overwhelming feeling towards that match is just disappointment as it's a pass because your number one job in that match as, you know, a former, you've been a, a Grand Slam finalist, yeah. you know, you're somebody who has got everything to win one of these titles and win, win one now. He is good enough to do it. He just can't quite do it yet. Your number one job is to not get sucked into the Nick Kyrgios show. And even if he does get under your skin, not allow it to show. We know when Kyrgios plays Nadal, it gets under Nadal's skin. You can sort of see it, but he keeps it under wraps. He won't allow it to come out. He's got the experience, he's disciplined. Sitsipas just lost his mind out there. He was teeing balls. He's the trying, most. Just insane. He was trying to hit Kyrgios I've never off, seen that happen. Returns. Someone I've never actually trying it. to hit the opponent. Trying to hit it. Well, it's one thing trying to hit them in the, in the rally with a short yeah, ball. That happens all the time. I didn't care about that. Actually, off, off the Return to serve. Yeah, just, I mean, it was, he lost his mind. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And I get it. Like, of course, it, it is incredibly frustrating. But the reason he's doing it is because he knows he can get to you. It's a really bad, it's a really bad matchup. You look at their personalities. He's sort of non-conflict, non-confrontational in many ways. Sits a pass. The, the complete contrast to Kyrgios, who needs it. He needs the circus. He needs the madness. No, he, he needs, doesn't. He does. He didn't against Nakashima. He didn't have any of it. He just got on with it. He was a bit whiny and he was struggling with his shoulder and all that sort of stuff. And he could have got the match done but quicker yeah, than he did. But, but he but against knew Nakashima, he, he, didn't, he didn't need but it. But against someone, against Nadal, he will need that. He when will. When he gets to that level. Against of Nakashima. But that's because against, he knows against, it impacts Nadal. Against Krajinovic, everyone was saying, oh, there's a, but Krajinovic is saying, oh, that's, you know, that's the upsetty of the day. Of course Kyrgios was always going to win that. Krajinovic had tried to avoid grass until he got to the final at Queen's recently. He openly said on the microphone, in the past, I've tried to hide from grass not be on grass I hate grass yes he was the seeded player but Kyrgios was favourite to win that all day long that was never a problem Nakashima was never going to give Kyrgios anything in terms of facially but that was not a problem for Kyrgios but but when he faces the bigger guys he needs something he needs because he has this fear of losing is this fear of failure he's up against Murray he kind of crumbles when he faces Murray he's like ah I can't beat him but against against Nadal if if that is to happen and look he's got Christian Garin and he's got stuff going on off the court now and and Garin 
he's a fighter. I mean, he look, reminds me a little bit of Sylvester Stallone from the Rocky films. And, and he's, a, he's a fighter, isn't he? He's a grinder and he's a fighter. And that might, but Kyrgios, the body's collapsing. The focus tends to collapse. What's at stake? A place in the semi-finals. I mean, but Sitspas and Kyrgios, it's always going to be popcorn. Because Sitspas will never handle it. No, but... I mean, he didn't just not handle it. He lost his mind. He lost his mind. He absolutely lost the plot in that match for quite a long period of time. And it was just incredible to see because you're just doing exactly what Nick wants. And and that's it. And, like, you know, it is your job, like, when you're out there, when you're taking on Nick Kyrgios, it's just to not allow it to to happen. And look, okay, Sitsipas can't do that. And he clearly has vulnerabilities. But Sitsipas, look, his game's good enough. His fitness is good enough. He's been all the way to a set away from a Grand Slam. All it is is the mind. But I feel like with Kyrgios, I feel really a little bit sorry for him because I feel like people treat him as, as a circus act. They want him to perform like an animal that they want to sort of prod and get him to perform because um, my co-host at, at Wimbledon is a self-confessed, I come in for Wimbledon, I love it, but I don't really follow the tour. And I remember saying, after the Nakashima about to set in, I, I turned to him and said, are you disappointed? Are you disappointed that we don't have the circus? Are you disappointed we don't have the antics, that Kyrgios is just playing tennis and playing pretty good tennis? And he was, because he wants the circus. He, he wants to prod him, and he wants him to explode. That he was there for, and I imagine a lot of that crowd were there to see, similar to what he did against Sitspas. They want to see that Kyrgios. And in some ways, I feel sorry for Kyrgios, that people sort of, like, it's like poking a bear. That they want the reaction from him. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure there were some people who, you know, they do want that. But I think in general they still got a good show because my husband, Ben, he actually had tickets for that day. Right. And he went and he was very excited and he had watched the Sits Pass match. And again, he's not like a super duper tennis fan. But, um, yeah, he went and afterwards he just said that was an awesome experience. He absolutely okay, nice. loved it. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and I said to him, I was like, oh, well, it's a shame you didn't quite get the Nick Kyrgios show. And he was like, what? You know, put his underarm serves. And, you know, you because when you're there as well, you can sort of see the chat that he's having and the looks. And he was just like, and he said to me, that guy does not care. He doesn't enjoy, look, he, and he said a while ago that, you know, he can make a difference by playing tennis and making money, put it in towards his face. He needs to play tennis for a reason. That's to make money for the foundation, to make a difference that way. He doesn't enjoy, I've never seen someone who, he looks like a door's been opened. He's been shoved out. They've shut the door and they've said, you're not coming in until this match is completed. He looks so miserable every time he's on a tennis court. He, he never enjoys it. His post-match interviews, they're sullen. His press conferences are sullen. And everything I hear about him off court, um, they say he's a nice guy. And people say nice things about him. and say he's a good guy. I, I don't know him at all. But when you see him uncle i wouldn't want to interview him because you just get this sort of sullen person that doesn't want to be doing what he's doing isn't enjoying what he's doing i mean if he wins wimbledon he probably wouldn't even be happy i mean i don't he does not get any enjoyment it's like torture for him out there if he wins wimbledon we won't see him again i just think he has no desire to be on the tour he doesn't like traveling he'd rather be playing basketball if he wins wimbledon and look he could yeah yeah, uh, yeah my yeah, word yeah. he could 
if he wins Wimbledon, he'll do an ash party and say, thanks very much, I'm done. He does not want to leave Australia. You know, I think that there's a combination of his body being healthy, but also it just so happened that a certain Netflix crew were going to be filming the tennis tour this year that I think might have helped inspire him in life because he has been heavily Taylor featured. Taylor Fritz's trophy celebrations are <laughs> epic, <laughs> by the way. Well, was epic. it Sitsipas was the first one to... Um, was it India Wells with one of his matches? Just a, just a, a match that he won, and he just turned to the Netflix crew to celebrate before turning to his canvas. <laughs> very strange uh, we spot the the crews around all the time and yeah i mean you know that i think that was definitely an element of mm. him saying i'm gonna do it properly yeah. because he has done it properly because the last couple of years people would say to me what do you think about nick curios and i'm like he, he doesn't play he's not a tour player he's not no, here anymore no. like i don't know like literally for a few years we just haven't seen him and i understand with the pandemic and stuff and look the guy he doesn't want to travel he doesn't want to be on tour what he does want to do is entertain people and unfortunately, that means that he has to do it in a tennis arena and that he has to travel to those tennis arenas. And he will get wild cards because tournament directors, yes, he can cross the line. And I don't like it when he has a go at officials and things. I mean, but his most ridiculous comment of the week was turning to the official saying, you haven't got any fans. I'm like, what? How? It was what? a bit strange, wasn't like, it? What is that even? Well, sorry. But, so I don't like it when he, that, that side of him. But tournament directors, whether they admit it or not, they're bringing him in for entertainment. He will sell tickets. He will get bums on seats. They want to have Nick Kyrgios in their tournament. It was a packed out crowd and it packed. will be for every single match of his. And they, people don't want to miss a minute because you never know when it's going to kick off. You just want to be there for everything. Yes, exactly. People will not leave their seats. And look, we're talking about him. We've spent, what, 10 minutes or so talking about him because he's someone to talk about. Look, the best result for Stefano Tsitsipas that can happen at this tournament is that Kyrgios wins it and then quits. Never plays again. I, I think if you I think if you said now to, to Stefano Tsitsipas what would be the ideal solution he loses to Christian Garin and then he sort of mumbles off and disappears or he wins Wimbledon he's going to lose to Christian Garin he does not want Stefano Tsitsipas <laughs> he doesn't want sorry well. Nick Kyrgios lifting the Wimbledon trophy on centre court I guarantee that he's oh, done oh he would hate it come on no, yeah. he doesn't um, want that he do, even if it meant Nick Kyrgios would then retire can you imagine the gloating that would come from the Australian he doesn't want that I don't, yeah. think, I don't think he'd want that. So we are... It, it was meant to be a week one review. It's kind of a week one and a little bit of week two review. Anything else that, that stood out? We've got... What time is it now? Where are we now? We, we, we've got to get off to dinner. I'm pretty hungry and I think we're having a pizza, aren't we? <laughs> we yeah, we have, we have a team dinner. We thought it was quite risky doing a team dinner on quarterfinal night. Normally that's a, a women's... It's been a long one. But normally it's a women's semi-final day because you know there's a maximum amount of time on court. Yeah. Right? It's not going to go into the early hours. Yeah. It can't. Well, we thought with two matches a day we'd be fine, but then both matches went to the absolute maximum. But I think I, th- I think that's a wrap. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty hungry. I want to go. Oh right. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, everybody. If you had um, any more topics to talk about, you're so, gonna have to save. Them no, I'm, you I'm know hungry. what? I do have a few. But you're hungry and you're threatening to step up off this bench, and then I'll fly off backwards. Oh dear. All, uh, we have had lots of people. This always happens. Walking past the bench, they see microphones and they look at us and go and they hold up their phone as if to say, "Should we know those people?" And then they go, "No, no." And then they just walk away. And there's lots it's of people fine. gathered by the BBC highlights stage looking up at the array of stars looking back on what has been an amazing day but you know what we've we've done a little bit of working together in the same commentary box we've seen each other briefly in passing in the mornings we're gonna have a pizza together at our team dinner tonight and then probably around this time next week we will get together we won't be in the same country i guarantee you that because we're not going to be (laughs) (laughs) and we'll look back on one on earth is going to unfold in, in the next few days. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I mean, obviously the Wimbledon champions, but I just don't know who they're going to be. I want it to be Halep-Jabur final. Yeah, nice. 
And I want it to be Djokovic... Kyrgios. Oh, final. Don't we want See, that. now I've, I've been sucked into the circus, the spiciness. I've been sucked in. I've been drawn in. Because then Djokovic will have so much pressure. He'll think, there's no Nadal. I can get up to 21. Then there'll be Kyrgios, and he'll be doing all his Kyrgios things. He will explode like six fast. It will all kick off. It's and a that's, long way to go for that body, long, though. Yes. Two more matches to yeah, get no, final. I agree. I don't know if that body can do I it. I don't think the body can do it. Um, on that note, um, they've sent us the menu. So let's order our pizzas. And let's go. And let's go. Thank you.